Wednesday night that we've been talking about spiritual growth and making spiritual progress, but we are, uh, we are hopefully making some progress. I hope that you had a good week. It's been a little warm for me. That's my taste, but uh, it's good to see you here. I hope the Lord is answering your prayer. I hope that you are in prayer. I hope that you're in the Word of God, and I hope that you're walking with the Lord. I hope that you're remaining steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're actually going to talk about that this morning in light of the rapture. And I thank God for the word of God. I thank God for the peace that we find. I was reading this morning that he is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. And uh, we want to remind ourselves of that all the time as we're reading the word of God, as we're together. And I want to thank you for being here this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and then we will begin. God, we want to thank you for another day of life today. We come into your presence and into your throne room by the name of Christ and only by his shed blood. We want to say thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for saving us. God, today as we open your word, we pray that you would be honored. We pray that you would speak to us directly and personally. And we pray, God, that you'd help us to hear. Give us understanding as your children. Lord, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we are the temple of the holy god we pray that you would guide us into all truth as you promised and we ask for wisdom lord we pray that you grant us wisdom and then lord as we uh, continue this week begin this week we pray that you would give us the faith and courage to live out the will of god in our life and we pray that you would help us to find someone in this world to encourage a christian who perhaps has grown cold a or someone who is lost that needs christ we pray that you would use us as vessels of honor. We thank you for these that are here. We pray that you administer to those that could not be here today, and we ask that you do a work in us and through us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> if you'll follow along, we'll read the first three verses, then we're going to skip down to almost to the end of the chapter and read some verses, and then we'll talk about guides for growth. <clears throat> so First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many have tasted that the Lord is gracious? Amen. Look at verse 21. <clears throat> For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us in what a what an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously growth in the physical life tells a story doesn't it um, when you watch your children grow, I was praying for Chris the other day and I thought, man, I just remember when that kid was so little and so the scrawny and now he's grown up and is serving in the United States Army. And uh, I, I just, it, it just tells a story. Um, there's a lot that happens. Today's the last day for Jenna to be here and she's going off to college. And I was just thinking this morning, man, that's a, that's just a lifetime. That 18 years is a lifetime. If you, if you blink, it goes by so fast, but when I did stop and, and think about her life and our family's life, I just thought, you know, it tells, it tells a story. There are memories there. There are, there are things that have happened, and, and, and all of that goes into the story of her life and to our life. When a child begins to reason and understand, it's a beautiful sign of maturity, isn't it? When they finally get it, when they start to 
we would say, <clears throat> connect the dots. And, uh, and they finally begin to understand. Sometimes uh, kids have to learn things from themselves. And other times they have the privilege of learning from others. Um, my son Preston, when we lived in Las Vegas, when we were ministering there, had to, uh, had to learn for himself why his mother told him not to touch the hot griddle. And as he sat there uh, and she said, don't touch it, he just simply put his hand right in the middle of it and he never touched it again. And he figured it out. He got some understanding. Okay, mom said don't touch it. I don't know why I can't touch it. It appears to me that I need to touch it. In fact, I want to touch it, so I'm going to touch it. Ouch, I shouldn't have touched it. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's learning. Instead of obeying, he learned what, it, what hot was and what it meant that day. Um, as a young person grows up, maturity is the goal. Uh, that's that's the the uh, adulthood or that that maturity is the mark that they're pressing for. We what we say when we want our children, we say when we want our children to be, um, we say that we want our children to be responsible adults when they grow up, and we want them to make good decisions in their life. And growing up and making bad decisions teaches us how to make better decisions. But the decisions that we make is a mark of maturity. And that maturity, of course, is uh, the goal. The Christian life is the same, birth, growth, and maturity. Peter's the one who brings up the term babes in our, uh, in our text here in verse 2, as newborn babes, uh, because he was there, uh, because uh, Jesus, he, he was there when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, wasn't he? When Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. So Peter knows the process. He sees, okay, someone needs to be born again in Christ, and then the growth takes place. He knows what it was like to grow in faith, doesn't he? Um, he knows what it's like to fail in faith, and he knows what it's like to mature in the faith as a believer. He knows what it's like to mature in the graces of God to the point where God could actually use him. We find Peter in one chapter bailing on Jesus and then going fishing and then goes back to Jesus, and as Jesus' word said, he's converted, not saved again, but as his heart is changed and he gets his bearings back, then he goes on. And by faith, he's used of God, and we see thousands of people saved, and we also see him used of God to write scripture. We're reading his letter. We're reading a letter of a man that made some bad choices, but then made some really good ones, didn't he? And we see that growth even in Peter's life. There's a song we used to sing every day, with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the only way to know that is true is if you've spent every day with Jesus. And chances are that if you have, then you really have tasted, as he says here, that the Lord is very gracious if you've truly walked with him. Last week we looked at indications of infancy and we said, look, this is what Paul says is a sign of spiritual immaturity. <clears throat> and how uh, and how to tell if, uh, if a Christian's a spiritual baby. This week we want to consider the Bible as our guide for growth. And we say, okay, uh, if we're we don't want to be spiritual infants, and we want to grow in grace, we want to grow. I want us to take uh, notes this morning and look at three simple steps we can take in our life that will assure us that we are growing as Christians. And it's nothing profound. This is nothing new. <clears throat> I've probably said many things like this before and over and over again, and I'll probably do it for the rest of my life. But it, it's a very simple plan. Now, here's the problem with simple plans. They're so simple, we sometimes don't think we need to follow them. Um, is it really that easy? Um, you know, um, uh, checkers is not a very hard game, is it? But it's hard to win. To me, it's hard to win. 
tic-tac-toe is not hard to play, but it's hard to win. You know, you gotta, the, the thing with tic-tac-toe and checkers is you kind of got to pay attention. And I think that's what happens is we get so simplified and we think these are so simple things that we fail to pay attention to the matters that go along in these categories. And so let me give you three simple uh, steps today to make sure that we're growing as Christians from the text of 1 Peter chapter 2. Number one, um, the Bible tells us that I've got to forsake the wrong things. In verse 1, wherefore laying aside, that word means to, to throw off. Um, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere, sincere miracle of the world. Word. So let's think about what he's talking about here. Letter A, let's talk about some childish things. There are some childish things that we need to put away. There are certain, there are certain relics of childhood. For instance, I was a, a blanket baby. I called it my binky. I know a lot of people call their binky now the pacifier and all that kind of things, but I called it my binky. Um, two of my children were pacifier babies, and all of them wanted to hold on to their respective securities for far too long. Ashley was a blanket baby. Jenna's a blanket baby. Um, Austin was more of a pacifier baby. I was a blanket baby. And most of us, when we have something that we cling to, my, mine was, I'll just talk about mine for a minute. Uh, my blanket had a, um, like a, uh, I guess a velvet or satin edge. The old blankets, anybody have one of those? And I used to take that and I would just rub it on my face like this. And that saw, I was just, it, 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 I think it kind of ruined me. I'm very touchy. I, I love the textures, especially smooth ones. And, and uh, I had that thing. And, and, and of course, you know, like all blankets that get drug all over the place, they get dirty and they get filthy and nasty. But you don't care as long as you have that little corner. And, and Ashley turned out to be like that. She would take hers and she would just put it on her on her nose and sit there and rub it on her face. <clears throat> and 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 what happens is we get such pleasure out of them in many ways. We get comfort. Um, many ways we find our security in those things. And kids don't want to give those up. It's hard to take them away. I just want my binky. I just want my binky. You can have it when you nap. And the next thing you know, my mom said, well, you can't have it because I threw it away. <laughs> ah, the world is falling, right? Um, all of them wanted to hold on to the respective securities for too long. But there came a time when they grew up and those things were no longer as important as or necessary. Uh, when they were little, it was a part of them. And when they grew up, it was no longer a part of them. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, I think you have it in your notes. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. Now, according to Paul that we learned last week, there are some childish things and Peter agrees with him. Remember, we looked at these same things that Paul said, look, I'm talking to these Christians at the church of Corinth. I want to speak to you like adults, but you're holding on to these childish things because you're babes. Are you not carnal and speak as men? So he goes through the same list that I think it's very interesting that Peter brings up this matter of spiritual maturity and brings up the same list. And so he mentions uh, here in verse 1, all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, and envyings, and all evil speakings. Malice uh, is bitterness and all wrong feelings toward people. And God says that's childish when you're looking at spiritual growth. Okay? So a Christian who's going to remain malicious, which is the word malice, and continue to have these wrong feelings, God says you're, you're holding on to something that you need to let go. It's going to 
keep you from growing spiritually. Um, guile is the disposition that goes along with hypocrisy. And of course, hypocrisy is not doing that what you said or what you say or what you want people to believe. I want people to believe that this is the way I really am, but this is the way I really am. That's guile. You remember the word guile was used when Jesus was getting his disciples together, remember? And you remember who it was said of? Philip went and got his brother Nathaniel, who was sitting under a tree. And when he came, Jesus said, Behold, him that cometh in whom there is no guile. He was an honest, very sincere individual. And he came to Jesus and said, How do you know me? He said, Are you kidding? I saw you when you were under the tree. And he said, My Lord and God. Right. And so the fact is, guile is a disposition of hypocrisy. It is dishonesty. It's deceiving. It's this is what I want people to think I am and this is who I really am. Envy is being tormented with another's good. Do you have a problem when someone else is blessed? Does it bother you that someone else gets an opportunity? That's envy. And if that's hanging around, that's a part of spiritual immaturity. And Peter says, look, I agree with the apostle Paul. Those things are keeping you from growing up in Christ. All evil speakings. Now, that would include slander or gossip. And as we were talking earlier, I was talking with Reynolds, that doesn't have to be nowadays face-to-face, does it? Now it can be done socially. Now it can be done worldwide on the web. So interestingly enough, the Bible then says here, wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies and, and envies and all evil speakings, he categorizes that as a childish thing like the Apostle Paul. Interestingly enough, the Bible not only says these are childish things in the context of spiritual maturity, it also categorizes them as letter B, an old man. Now you get the idea. Once I meet Christ, there's a life that I'm supposed to leave, not cling to. I'm supposed to go on unto perfection according to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. And so look in your notes at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 that you put off the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and you can read these same things in that in that in that chapter in ephesians chapter 4 notice colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 but now you also put off all these anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communications out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds so again that mark in time when you met jesus christ and you accepted him as your savior that old life is what the Bible declares is if you're going to continue and you're still clinging to these, then you're childish. These are childish things. These are things that you need to look at and see, I don't want them to be a part of me. I don't find my security in them. And yet, that there's a lot of security in being angry. angry. There's a lot of security in being malicious towards someone, in, in slandering someone. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of security in guile. Because I'm telling people one thing, but I'm actually another. And I don't want them to find out who I really am. That's securing. Because I know this is not what I want people to see. You understand? And so God says, look, what I want you to, what, what, what you need to see is not just this is childish, but this is the old man. This is what I'm telling you you need to cast off. Spiritual maturity comes with getting rid of those things that hinder spiritual growth. And your old self... Um, which will keep you a spiritual infant and it will uh it will cause you to struggle um and eventually your understanding if you don't let let go of these things your understanding of everything that god has for you is going to be skewed 
and it's going to hinder your spiritual life. Um, there are some aspects of the old life that are completely wrong and sinful, and that's what the Bible lists. Now look, the fact is part of your old life is your family. Part of your old life is your job and the circle of people that you communicate with. You don't need to cast them off, but the way that I interact with them, the way that I display myself or display displeasure, all that is what God says. Look, how you react now as my child has to be different from the way you reacted when you were the devil's child, when you were a child of disobedience, according to the Bible, lay aside means to renounce. Have I renounced my envy? Have I renounced my guile? Have I renounced my anger? Have I renounced those things that God says is keeping me from going on unto perfection? Uh, it means to lay them down. It, so I physically need to take them off every day by the Spirit of God and crucify my flesh with its affections and lusts. Why? Because Galatians 5 says, the spirit lusteth against the flesh. So if the spirit is desiring me to go on, the flesh is desiring me to stay back. The flesh is holding on and going, whoa, Nellie, I don't want you to go on into perfection. I want you to stay here. And Peter and Paul and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God and the Bible all agree that that keeps us from spiritual maturity. So if I want to grow, uh, the guides for growth tell me that I need to, number one, forsake the wrong things. Now look in your life and ask yourself, are there some things that I'm holding on to from my previous life outside of Christ that are keeping me from maturing in Christ? And God says, if there are those things you need to forsake. Secondly, not only do I need to forsake the wrong things, I've got to feed on the right things. Feed on the right things. So wherefore, laying aside, renouncing all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speakings, let, uh, number, or verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now, I, I, again, this is kind of paralleling what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks on, on Wednesday night, but I, I, I want to make sure that we... we continue to rehearse the basics all right um let me ask you a couple questions what are you feeding your mind because the bible tells us that as he thinketh in his heart so is he and the mind and the heart in the bible have always been connected god doesn't separate your mind from your heart that that's our separation what you feed your mind your heart and your soul affects you spiritually nobody is above that effect there's only two ways to get in, by the ear and the eye. And what I feed my mind is going to affect. And God says here, look, all of this, if it, watch, <clears throat> how do I know what I'm feeding my mind is the wrong thing? Just read verse one. Malice, evil speaking, hypocrisy, guile, uh, and envies. If what I'm feeding my mind causes me any of these things, then I need to get rid of it. Because I can't forsake them if I'm feeding on them. Does that make sense? If it's causing me to have to do this, I can't go there. So it matters what I feed on. Letter A, there are things detrimental to spiritual growth. They're detrimental. Let me say it this way. Much of today's reading material 
television programming and music is filled with metaphors, similes, innuendos, or in-your-face vulgarity and deceit. Okay? And thanks to the information highway known as the Internet, people all over the world are being programmed to believe such things like drinking alcohol is a sign of the good life. Okay? That living together outside of marriage is normal, natural, uh, natural, and is better than the alternative. This is the programming of the day. The world is offering a drinking fountain that comes from a moral sewer, and people are drinking it up, even some Christians. And they think that it's not affecting them, but that's impossible. Because as a man thinketh, or as he meditates on, and that's what he dwells on, so is he. Isn't it interesting that that's why the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the Bible has the answer to what we should be feeding on. In fact, the Bible is the answer to what we should be feeding on. There's a reason that, the, that Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, John, 1 John chapter 2, for all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So if you eat garbage, it affects your health. The old 80s saying is garbage in, garbage out. So if, if God says, cast these things off, but I'm feeding on things that are, that are still keeping me in this realm, I cannot mature. However... If I decide to cast off these things, lay them aside, renounce them. I don't want this. This is not the kingdom of my God in my life. And I'm going to feed on the right things. Then not only are those things not going to be a part of my life, but more of Christ's life in me is going to be more a part of my life. So there's some things that are detrimental to spiritual growth. Letter B, God's word develops spiritual growth. As newborn babes desire the word desire means to long for, to yearn, to long persistent, uh, long, uh, persistently like a hungry baby. How many have ever heard the scream of a hungry baby? Yeah. Would you say <clears throat> that uh, it's very demanding? Would you say that you know exactly when they want to eat? Yeah. They let you know very quickly, huh? And there's something about that longing that God says, since you know what that's like, I want to transfer that to your spiritual hunger. Do I hunger after the word of God and spiritual growth like the desire to long persistently? By the way, that baby will cry and cry and cry and cry. And there's a difference between a baby crying and longing for his mother's milk or crying for pain, right? Because that longing for his mama's milk can turn into a very persistent, very no-tiered, very screaming, angry cry for a very long, long, long time. And they'll keep it up, 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 and they'll keep it up. That's what it means, to long persistently, like a hungry baby. We're to cultivate that kind of hunger for God's Word. That's what it says. As newborn babes, that doesn't get any clearer than that in Scripture desire the sincere milk of the word psalm 42 and verse 1 as the heart or the deer panteth for after the water brooks so my uh, so panteth my soul after thee O god my soul thirsteth for god for the living god when shall i come and appear 
before God. Let me say it this way. Um, during the pandemic, there were a lot of things that uh, people were trying to find to watch. Different movies, different series, different things. And if they found one that was really, really good and it was a series, they would say that it was binge-worthy, Right? So you couldn't watch something, you couldn't watch, you know, like in the old days, you watched one episode and then you had to wait a week and then the next episode and you waited a week and, you know, then you had one, hopefully you had one every night of the week. If you didn't, you had at least a couple you could look forward to, right? Well, nowadays with streaming and they create these series and, and then they give them to you all at once and you're like, oh, well, let's just, let's watch this one and then, okay, well, let's watch another one. Man, that was good. Let's watch another. The next thing you know, <laughs> you have binged four or five hours at, or longer and you're like holy cow two days the whole series is gone you're like oh we should have spaced it out because now we have nothing to watch right binge worthy that's what they say can i just say this the bible is binge worthy it really is it's binge worthy and the effects of the sincere milk of the word of god are very personal all right Turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> do you have that in your notes? You do? It's there? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abound. Now, here's what you need to know. The very first letter that Paul wrote to them in Thessalonica they received, as it were, the word of God. And it affected them. Here, in Second Thessalonians, he writes back in the very first chapter, the very first few verses, that their faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Interestingly enough, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know what they did? They looked at the old life, the things that were detrimental to spiritual growth, and they said, I'm going to forsake the wrong things. And what did they do? They desired all the right things. They knew that there were some things that were detrimental to spiritual growth. Instead, Paul had taught them, and they got it. We're going to binge on the Word of God. We're going to take everything we possibly can and make it a part of our life. And what was the result? Well, their faith was growing exceedingly. The second evidence was that their love for one another abounded. That's that word again that Paul used in Colossians. We, used, we looked at the other night that talks about a river that's overflowing its banks. There's so much love. Why? Because of the Bible. Because the Bible tells us, wait a minute, God so loved me and the only reason I love him is because he loved me first. And because he loves me, I can love somebody else. I can have charity in my heart because God has it toward me. So God says, okay, look, here's how complicated spiritual growth is. There's some things in your life, the old nature, those things that you hold on to because they're, they seem natural. It's like it's a part of you. Guess what? Sin is a part of us. And all these things that Paul's talking about is a very real part of us. And God says, those things you need to put in a box, put a one-way first-class stamp to hell and send it that way. 
Forsake it. Cast it off. Lay it aside. It's that easy. That's what lay aside means. To lay it down. Renounce it. That's not me anymore. I'm going to yield my body as an instrument of righteousness. And what you do is you turn to the Word of God. Every single opportunity you can to read it, hear it, learn from it. You're going to give yourself to the Word of God. God says if you really want to grow, you've got to forsake and then you have to listen to the right things. You've got to feed on them. Now, what are you feeding on? That was the first question I asked at this point. What are you feeding on? What, what, what's coming in more than the Word of God? Because if it's outweighing what the Word of God is, it's detrimental. You're going to come, these things are going to become, that blanket's going to come up. You're going to find that pacifier somewhere, right? So the Word of God apparently is very key to spiritual growth. So I've got to forsake the wrong things. I've got to feed in the right things. Thirdly, I must follow the right ones. <clears throat> now let's go back to the latter part of this chapter in 1 Peter. Chapter 2. Go over to verse 21 again. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered. Now he's talking about suffering for righteousness sake. But Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. When I was a teenager, I wasn't allowed to have posters on my wall. Is anybody in here allowed to have posters? Did you have posters on your wall? Okay. Um, I wasn't allowed to have posters on my wall, but all of my friends did. And consequently, I loved to go over to my friend's house. I loved it. I would go over. I had a friend named Tim White. I met him when I was in seventh grade. And uh, we had, I, I don't know that there were two people that had any more in common than Tim and I. <clears throat> For instance, we were both very much diehard Dodger fans, huge Dodger fans. We both loved the Cowboys, and we both egregiously loved the Los Angeles Lakers during that time. And, of course, that was during showtime and championships and all this kind of stuff. And I'd go over to his house, and he had a picture of Magic Johnson. He had a picture of... Uh, a poster of James Worthy. Um, he had a poster of Steve Garvey, who was the Dal or the uh, Dodger first baseman. He had a poster of Tony Dorsett, and I, I just I would go over there and be like, "You are so lucky. You get to go to sleep looking at Tony Dorsett. You get to look at James Worthy every day. His life size poster of Magic Johnson." I'd just be like, "Man, I'd come home and I look at my walls and I'd be like, this is so boring. This is awful." My mom, <laughs> my mom, she thought, "Okay." Uh, we need to upgrade Kyle's room, and so we're going to decorate it because he's he's getting older. And uh, so, what does she do? She takes down whatever wallpaper. That was the wallpaper days. Remember, you didn't paint; everything was wallpaper. My mom was the wallpaper queen, the shag queen, and the wallpaper queen. And um, and she put up. Are you ready? Pirate ships. I'm going to go through my teenage years with pirate ship wallpaper. Not on one wall, not on two walls, but on all four walls. I'm going to have a, about the color of that door was my bedspread. And uh, I'm going to have this shag carpet till Jesus comes. And that was my bedroom. And I, I'm not joking. No pictures of family. It was wallpaper. And I would come home and be so depressed because I didn't have my heroes up on the wall. I'd go to someone else's home, and I'd see all there, you know. That, at that time, it was the big, Michael Jordan was coming out, and he had the big, you know, he's flying through the air and dunking it, and I'd go to all these, all these 
you know, people's houses. And, 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 and why do kids do that? Why do kids hang up posters of athletes and, and, and all this? Because heroes are a part of every childhood to some degree. There, there's not, you know, if, if it's not athletics, if you go back maybe two or three decades, it's going to be a poster of Superman. It's going to be a poster of Captain America. It's going to be a poster of a soldier. Heroes are a part of childhood, aren't they? It, it's, it's very natural for someone younger to look at someone and admire them uh, and be like, man, I, want, I, want to, I would love to be like them, right? We went to a baseball game last week. And uh, was it this week or last week? Yeah, this, this last Tuesday. Uh, we went to a Dodger Giant game, and uh, and my son, my son was too little the first game that he ever went to, and so we were uh, sitting in the stands way up in the nosebleeds, and and he he kept he kept going, Dad, they're right there, you know the people that we see on TV all the time, Dad, they're right there, I can't believe it, they're right there, they're right there, they're right there, and uh, and there's just something about our childhood that attaches ourselves to someone who's doing something well. We look at. You know, from my era, the baseball players were like Pete Rose, the people who were really making a difference, Johnny Bench, and, 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 and you know, all, all of these, I mean, I could go on for hours, all the different people, but you look at them and you go, wow, now why do I admire them? Because they do something really well, and I want to be like them. I would sit my friend Jeff in the backyard, and I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm Don Sutton. I could never be Jerry Royce because he was left-handed, and I'm not left-handed. I'd be like, okay, I'm Don Sutton. It's bottom of the ninth, two outs, three, two, and I got to throw a strike pitch. And I'd sit down, and, oh, I walked and we lost the game, <laughs> you know. But I, in my mind, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to do things well like them. Now, while most of my boyhood heroes have toppled and disappointed me at some point, I've moved on, I've moved on uh, as to who I'm trying to be like. And as Peter and Paul lay out, look, we know that you need to look to somebody. We want to make sure that you're looking to the right ones. Who am I following? If I'm going to become a mature Christian, I need to find someone who's following Christ. I need to find someone who's doing that well, who's becoming less of themselves and more of Christ. And he gives us here, first of all, letter A, a prime example, and that's the Lord himself. We, we can't get any better than Jesus, amen? We, we can't find a better example of what I'm supposed to be like. And the example here is that it says in verse 22, Who did no sin? Neither was, uh, the Bible says, guile found in his mouth. Jesus was exactly who he said he was. By the way, he was God. And he only told the truth. He never lied. And then the next verse says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That's the prime example. I need to not have any guile. Well, that's interesting because that's following the pattern that he said himself. I need to commit myself and all my surroundings to the one that judgeth righteously. If God deems it necessary to put Job through an immense amount of tragedy as Job committed himself like Jesus, then I need to be like Jesus, right? That's the prime example. Look, look at, your, at your notes in Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also, are, uh, uh, we also are compassed, compassed with so, about with so great a, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Look up here. That, that could just be the same things. What's the weight and the sins? 
our old life, those childish things. And let us run with patience the, the race that is set before us. I didn't put two, verse 2 in there. Looking unto Jesus. All right? Because he's the example. Look at Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. So there's much to be said about the Bible pointing us to Christ. Now, unfortunately, verse 22 is going to be next to impossible. Who did no sin? Okay. <clears throat> On our best days, we won't have done no sin. We'll just do less sin. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that we have to give in to sin every day, but what I'm saying is somewhere between now and Jesus coming or us going to the grave, we're probably going to have a bad day. We're probably going to give in to the flesh. But Jesus never did. And so if I aim at nothing, I'm going to hit it every time, so I might as well aim at the right example. Jesus said, I'm, I'm your example. And through me, you can do it, but you have to die to that. I can do all things, but only through Christ. If I don't do it through Christ, guess what? That old man is going to be put on instead of Christ. So there's a prime example. Secondly, there's a personal example. Sometimes a young Christian will really look up to the one maybe who led them to Christ or maybe the preacher or the evangelist who was preaching when they got saved. When you see someone who is living for the Lord and they seem to be growing in the grace of God, the Bible says that you should mark that person and follow them because they're going to lead you to Jesus. The Bible says, follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, be, ye fo uh, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. And then he really, he, what we think is this verse doesn't pertain to the example, but it does because he sets the difference between what the right example is and the wrong example. Look what it says. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. Notice that phrase, for many walk. Isn't it sad that Paul points out that there are Christians that you shouldn't follow? Isn't that? Now here's another goal. Don't be like that. Don't be the Christian that someone can't follow. Be the Christian that someone can follow. And if someone is following me, where's the blessed place that I can lead them? Right to Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I wonder if there are any relics from your spiritual infancy that you're holding on to. We've got to ask it a different way. How's your devotional life? How is your personal time with Christ? Um, do it, let's say this. Do you see any room for improvement? Is there some room for improvement? Or is there a lot of room for improvement? It's said of Pablo Casals that he was the greatest cellist that ever lived and the greatest man that ever drew a bow. This is back in the early 1900s. When Pablo Casals reached 95 years old, a young reporter came to him and he said, and I quote, Mr. Casals, you're now 95 years old. You are the greatest cellist of all time, without a doubt. Why do you still practice six hours a day? Mr. Casals answered, and I quote, because I think I'm making progress. 
the greatest man to play the cello of all time. And he practiced because he says, I'm still making progress. Your goal is that, to make spiritual progress every day. So let me challenge you on the first day of this first week of August to take this week and say, Lord, I want to make progress this week. And progress is not, I want to read more Bible. Although I think we need to read more Bible. Progress is, I need to read more Bible so that the Bible can read more me. And I need to let the Bible go through me so that I can become more like Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for giving it to us. God, we're so sorry where we haven't desired it enough. Where we haven't gone after it enough. Where we have allowed ourselves to meditate on things that are more detrimental to our spiritual growth than those things that develop our spiritual growth. And so this morning we give ourselves again, Lord, another chance as you've given us to grow. And I pray that we would grow. I pray that each and every day we would stop at the beginning of the day and lay ourselves down aright over the Word of God and take that pattern of Jesus and cut it out and put it on. That we would lay aside all those things, Lord, that are um, that make us spiritual babies, that hinder our growth, and that we would go on to perfection. Bless the Word of God in our heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for being here. Let's get ready for church.
Well, good morning. This is us this morning. And so I wanted to open up by reading a, word, uh, a part of Scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 21 and verse 13, Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so we will sing and praise thy power. We want to open this morning by singing, Be thou uh, uh, the Lord. He is exalted. He is exalted on high. Let's stand together and let's lift up our voices together. Not many of us here, so we're going to have to sing out. Let's sing. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high.
We sang this song last week. We learned about it. It's Christ Be Magnified. Uh, it's not very difficult. I hope that you'll learn it. It's a song that I think pleases the Lord. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or my death. God's honored when Christ is magnified through the way that we're living, the way that we're singing, the way that we're praying. Let's sing this song again. We learned it last week. Hopefully you'll pick it up very soon. We're creation, suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west to the Spirit of God. If there's anything in the way of Him, let's just give that to Him this morning and prepare our hearts to be a sanctuary. 